Shane. You always had a situation in a big way, man. express myself sometimes when I need to be properly different. Fuck. Stop recording, mate. We're on. Starting. We're on. Are we recording, mate? Okay. Yeah. Hello and welcome Hello. to episode yeah, 11, aka Oil of the Lockdown. Today we've got Adam Piggott, who's an old school friend of mine, very good friend from back in the day, who's now a successful businessman and owner of a barbershop. And training academy. Uncle Dave can't be here today because he's off doing his special emergency services stuff. We won't say anymore. We've got Sea Dog, Jordan. Hello. Hello. And Kronkermeister. Bonjour. <laughs> and me, Adam. <laughs> so um, I've got a list of questions here. I'm going to try and do Dave's job. Yep. And do my own job. So, Ads, can you tell us a real brief summary of your career to date and how you went from kicking people in the face as a prefect <laughs> to being a successful <laughs> businessman? Uh, right, okay. Yeah, I didn't have many uh, many options when I left school, to be honest. I had mucked about too much. And, uh, yeah, I, my mother's a hairdresser, and uh, that kind of that got me into the sort of the... the uh, you know that I just had to start. Uh, you know, we I used to see her doing it all the time, and I was offered an apprenticeship with one of her friends. I didn't have many choices, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was just it was just pretty good, pretty good option, really. I I went on work experience and I really enjoyed it, and uh, just went from there, really. Yeah, it was really good. Deal. Did you do a was it an apprenticeship? Because well, I remember I went off to six yeah, 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 off doing stuff. It, yeah, I did three years, um, three year apprenticeship. Um, when you work in a in a in a in a salon one day uh, in four days a week, you go to college for a day. Um, lucky enough, the guy was my trainer was like a world world champion barber, you know, really really high level. And I was just really lucky I fell into his lap. Really, yeah, it worked out really well. It was good. That was back here. Started in '97, and uh, still here today. So does that do women's hair as well? Or is it always just men's? men's yeah, hair? I did I did both. I did ladies and gents. Yeah, but then um, I specialised in the gents. Um, from about 2003, so there was a there was a bit of a decision to be made. You know, I made a decision to go over into the uh, gent side, um, which was quite uh, quite unusual at the time. Yeah, yeah quite, there's a um, there's a question not, coming later, which you which you're probably key into this, because um, when I when you did that hairdressing, everyone, you know, I'm open minded guy. I was like, what's he doing that for? Why is he becoming a hairdresser? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, <clears throat> you're not like. Uh, not saying that hairdressing. Stereotypical. No, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're well, not I, got, like a I had a lot of that. I had a lot of that. You know, I was I was sort of a, a lad, lad, and you know, it was really out. You really, you wouldn't have picked it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It never felt strange with me. Maybe because I grew up with it. It was quite quite natural of being around it. 
a lot of my friends were like, you know, a lot of the old school guys were like, you know, what are you doing? What do you want to, what do you want to be hairdresser for? You, you know, you, you got something to tell us, you know? It was all a bit, um, it was all a bit <laughs> suspicious. Uh, but no, it, was, it, was, it all worked out, all right? So, uh, yeah, it's just, I'd never look back, never, never, never regret it at all. So, it's, um, it was meant to be, you know? Ideal. How did you end up getting your shop then? Well, my shop was, um, was, was, a, was a family friend. Uh, he, I used to go past the shop all the time. And he, he was always busy, always, always backed out. I was on my way to um, my place that I worked. I used to look over and think, God, that'd be a nice little place to, place to work. I never really sort of imagined owning it. It just thought it'd be a nice place to work. And um, when, when he, uh, he, got, he, I got in touch with him. Uh, my mum knew him anyway. So uh, I got in touch with him, sort of said, you know, if you're ever looking for any like, holiday help or anything like that, let us know and I'll give you a hand. And he said, well, I'm looking to sort of retire, actually. And I was only sort of like, I don't know, 19 or something. So I was too, like, too young to be thinking about buying shops. Um, didn't have any money anyway. So <laughs> I don't know what, uh, what would happen if he'd said, you know. But he said, yeah, I would, be, I would, like, uh, would like to retire. So, um, you know, if, you, if, if it's sort of thing you're looking to get into buying a shop, then uh, perhaps we could have a chat about it. So, uh, you know, we, we had a chat about that and he told me how much he wanted. Uh, I went to the bank and, of course, they laughed at me because I didn't have any money. Someone to buy the property. <laughs> and uh, they, they sort of, okay, what's your collateral? Would you want to, how much you want to put down? I'm like, well, I got about 1,500 quid. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, they laughed me out of the room. So I went to work for him for a few years, uh, just sort of built up some money and um, you know, had, a, had a new focus. Uh, once, uh, once, once he sort of agreed that we, I was going to take it over, um, I saved up for another three years whilst working for him. And then I raised enough to be able to put a deposit down and buy the place. So it, was, it worked out really well, you know. So I bought the uh, freehold as well as the as the as the business. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a good story. So and then he continued to work for me once he retired. He continued to work for me, um, actually longer than I worked for him. So that was a bit of a result, really. So <laughs> you had a boss. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, he was my kind of boss, and then he turned. I turned into his boss, but. Uh, yeah, we've always got we always got on really well. It's more like friendship than uh, you know, staff wise, you know. So yeah, that's kind of how I fell into it. It's a bit of a bit of a sort of I say a bit of luck, I reckon. It's not um but I was quite I've always been quite single minded. I think once I get my head around something, I wanna do it, that's what I'm gonna do. So it was once I once I had my eye on that place, it just that's all I could think about. You know, was, there was never any other options for me. I course I wasn't looking. It was a bit like, you know, this is what I want to do. So that's the, plus, that's the place I want to take over. Um, and it, it just went much, it just really went from strength to strength. And I've, I've never regretted it at all. I've never looked for anything else. Um, you know, I'm quite sort of single-minded when it comes to that sort of thing. I've, uh, you know, I kind of pull my eggs into one basket in a way, but you tend to do pretty well out of it if you if you focus on it, you know? Yeah. So have you, you've got your... um. Also, I keep up with you on Facebook, and we we chat occasionally. Don't, obviously, don't see each other as much as as much as we would like. But um, you've got like a training academy as well. Is that is that next door? Or is I that have, another... mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, basically, uh, I, I trained the the guy that I bought the shop from. His son wanted to come into it. That's how I got into training. His son wanted to come into it, but he didn't want to work for his dad. So I trained him. Uh, his son. Now he still works for me. That was like uh, nine years ago. Uh, so he was my first kind of apprentice. And um, every time I sort of looked at his work, I thought, you know, I, I taught him how to do that. It felt really good, you know. So I just, I really want to get into the training. So I uh, got in touch with a training academy and offered my services. And um, 
they were really happy, really, really excited about taking someone on that was actually current rather than just being a teacher. They wanted to uh, have someone that was actually commercially active. So they, um, they bit my hand off really and uh, I started working for them as a freelancer. So I took on some, some students. I took on about 12 students up to, uh, and I, I was responsible for their practical, uh, delivering their practical skills. Um, and they did all the theory. So I basically had um, like 12 students to, to myself to, to get them through level two. And that, it worked out really well. They they, um, they all passed. They all, all went on to work in different shops. And, and, that's, what, and that's what I was like. That's my, that's my destination. That's where I want to go. I want to start... Um, on starting people and so I've um literally last two weeks ago I've got um awarded not awarded um I qualified for my own college so as is a VTCT uh, training academy a bit like the city and guilds so now we're actually a college in our own right so but then the virus kicked off not, we've not had to do anything about that yet so we've been uh, we've been we've been registered we pass all the sort of, um, you know, we have to pass all the tests, all the all the um, legalities. You know, you got your health and safety procedures, your, your safeguarding procedures. You know, your your um, complaints procedure, appeals procedure. We have to put loads of work together to get all that um, official. Because you know, they're going to send a 16-year-old student to you. They want to make sure that you you've covered all bases. So that was that was really um, a lot of work, but it's all paid off. Hopefully, it's going to pay off. So we've been granted the um, the, uh, the um, accreditation. So now we can offer MVQ courses um, for any barber or any student wants to come to us. We can take them on. They won't have to touch a college. They can do everything through me. So that's nice. uh, I, I just want to kick it off now. But obviously the uh, coronavirus yeah. is, is <laughs> a lock on everything. But um, it's all good. I'm just I'm just got a bit more planning to do, and then we're going to start launching it in. Um, uh, probably more like September now, I imagine. Yeah. Sweet. So, how long does it sort of take for a barber then? Like your your qualifications? So, three years apprenticeship and then practical experience as you're going. I did, I did three years apprenticeship and it, I did ladies and gents, as you know. So it was it was kind of like I did a I did a lot lot more than I needed to necessarily. The people that I take on are more like six months, you know, six months of training and. Um, and then they need experience on the shop floor, really. But that's what you can't give them. You can't give them practice in your barbershop because they obviously they can't be cutting your customer's hair and um, making making a mess. Oh, what's this one like, boss? And then you're like, no, not my customer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you used to do shows, as well, didn't you? I yeah, remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one you did by uh, hair, you dyed my hair for the first ever time. <laughs> yeah, you you were my model. You're my model, I dyed your hair blonde. And, uh, yeah, that, that was about 17 years old. And you sat there, and, yeah. <laughs> Never forget that ad. Yeah. We had to go on the modelling shoot down the, down the catwalk. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a lifetime ago. It was, wasn't it? When, when I, was, I was young and handsome. <laughs> so the next sort of question. You had it, you had it. He had a beard when he was at school, though, you know? I did, yeah. <laughs> They've seen the photos of me as a baby. Um, so, the coronavirus, the dramas that everyone's facing, how is it sort of, obviously, you've shut the shop. And you shut, I think you shut before, um, Yeah. you sort of shut when we shut, didn't you, when it was all social distances in place and um, 
we voluntarily shut. We pulled our children out of school. Uh, we felt that, you know, we, the way things were going, we, we thought that we didn't want them at school. And I was really wrestling with going to work, you know. It's like, obviously, you've got to go to work, your own money. But there's also another side to it where, actually, is it responsible to be trading? You know, am I, is it right to, for the families to bring in that any viruses home? Um, you know, they're all fit and healthy. You don't know, do you? You just, it's, you know, you just, you just don't know. So it was, it was, I was really struggling with going to work and I was kind of not really comfortable with it, even though I had, I say I had no choice. I did have a choice. So I made a choice to, um, to close the shop. Um, and it was about a week before it was mandatory that we had to shut shops. So I was a bit ahead of the game there a little bit. But I just felt it was the right thing to do. I thought it was sort of, you know, you can't pick and choose where you have lockdowns. Yes, it's, mm. for me, it's all or nothing. So it was a bit like some businesses were choosing to open. Some businesses were, 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 were you know, were, were carrying on and like nothing was happening. Um, and then once I decided it was, it was good, I just, I just shut the business. Um, and it, it went, it all snowballed quite quickly, really. Um, but like I said, I made my mind up before I had to. Um, but yeah, it was only literally a week later than everyone was shut. So good decision, I think. You know, have you got um, not to be too personal? So again, you don't say anything. Don't have you got um, you explored all the grants and all the loans and stuff? Are you going down that route? Uh, or are you not really? Uh, yeah, absolutely have to. I have to. I've been postponed the mortgage for three months. Like most of us have. Um, I mean, I'm the only breadwinner, so it's you know the buck stops with me really. So it it's scary. We got like maybe uh, you know another month's money, another month's bills in the bank. Uh, after that, we're kind of living off off grants and potentially loans. You know, it's, it's quite scary. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, you, it's, it's, I, haven't, I haven't cried probably since I don't know my brother passed away maybe six years ago. I passed, I, I, I cried at his funeral. But funny enough, when that, when it was announced that it was lockdown, I shed a tear, uh, and that was really, really, really unusual for me. I'm not really an emotional sort of guy, um, not outwardly anyway. It's, it, if I found it all quite overwhelming, that the fact that something you work so hard towards, something you, your business has to close. Uh, I know mm. it was everyone's in the same boat. I, I felt really emotional about it, uh, which is quite unusual. And you know, my kids would watch me have a, have a tear, and it was it was quite uh, it was it was hard. It was hard. Yeah, it was it was it was hard decision, but it was it was easy. It was a hard decision, but it felt a really easy decision to close the shop. Mm. You've worked hard, though. Remember, when did I when did I popped in your shop? Then I randomly. When was that? Two thousand and yeah, yeah. Like you were working for the water company, I think, weren't you? Yeah, I was down a down a poo pipe when I came in in the. Yeah, that's in a dry suit. Stinking. <laughs> stinking. Hello, mate. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I, won't, I won't shake your hand. <laughs> yeah. Class, yeah. That must have been 10, 11 years ago. So More, you've been, More than that. Yeah. Because you've, been, you've been in there you, working. You stayed, you, stayed my back, you stayed at my bachelor pad about yes. 13 years ago. Yeah. And yeah, we went on a night, <laughs> crazy night out. And, crazy yeah. night, yeah. <laughs> so no more. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, because that's because you, you obviously you have, that, did you have the mortgage then? Did you own the? Um, I bought the shop in two thousand and seven. So yeah, I would have had the shop then. Yeah, just took it over. I think when I saw you last. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because it, it's you know we. That, that back. Go on. 
Say again, mate. Sorry, go on, mate. I interrupted. Go on. So, so we've we've got a lease for our gym. So we've, you know, we just got to pay the rent really, and hopefully we get the grant to to sort that out. Um, obviously, you have you got a mortgage to pay, you got overhead, you got staff. It's a lot more. Um, a lot to it, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a grant you can take for the um, for being a business owner. As you know, uh, if your rateable value is kind of a, under fifteen grand, then you get you're entitled to ten grand. If you're over fifteen grand rateable value, you're up to, I think it's twenty five grand you you can you can claim for. So it's quite generous. I think um, I've applied for the grant, but I'm just waiting on. You know, it could take a week. It could take a month. You know, um, yeah. we. Uh, I fall. In, I don't know whether you, how you structure your company, but I, I fall into this really tiny little pocket of people where I'm not self-employed. I'm not employed because I'm a limited company. I'm an em, mm. I'm an employee of my own company. Yeah, same as me. But yeah. I you fall into that really small category where you actually because you obviously it's more tax efficient to pay yourself a basic salary, mm. um, and then now you've got to take eighty percent of your basic salary yeah. rather than eighty your whole turnover so uh, it's probably the same for you guys um so you know obviously we pay ourselves a really basic salary because it's most tax efficient and then so mm. it's kind of the ass in that respect because it's not full picture it's not your full financial picture but you know the same for you guys i imagine is it yeah so I, 60 pounds last year <laughs> <laughs> so uh <laughs> so it luckily that's not my my sole source of income or it'd be um game over unfortunately but yeah no it's, it's a weird one isn't it because all cash and hand people now they're doomed aren't they they're people with a limited company that pay for dividends they're doomed it's it's a weird it's a very weird one tax you know tax efficiency is no longer the best way i don't think no absolutely not yeah we better off if i was playing as sole trader Paying the paying top dollar in the tax rate, but you know mm. nobody could have imagined coming, could they? No. You, you couldn't imagine. You, you couldn't have seen it coming. So you know we just got to got to keep that keep your belt tight. We're not spending. We're not spending anything apart from food. You know we are literally locked down. I feel like we're locked down. Last you know I've been home now for two weeks. Um, you know apart from Tesco's and you know doing a bit in the Asda, but it, it's you know we really are just cutting everything back. You know we, the basic bills are being paid. Um, and I'm just I'm just waiting for the grant to come through to keep the shop yeah. overhead to come in. You know I'm right for, I'm right as we as we speak I'm right for today, but I am looking forward thinking <laughs> it's not going to last very long. <laughs> you know we need, I'm glad that I'm glad the help's on offer. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they can keep it much longer. I think everyone would just end up going mad. People leaving their houses and meeting up, crazy. Yeah. And not being able to go to the gym, not being able to train is such a big, never knew how much it sort of, obviously always enjoyed it, but it's a quite a big need and want when you can't, if you're injured, you can't train, but when you're, when you're fine, I've got to train. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Well, thanks for that. Um, I've got some questions from the other boys. Someone had a hair question about bleaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's, I've got pretty brown hair. What's the chances of it falling out if I bleach it from home? Bleach it from home is always a bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, you've, got nobody, you've got nobody really to check on it. Um, if you want it all, like, if you want bits of it blonde, or you want the whole thing blonde, I mean, if you want bits of it blonde, you can put it in little packets of foil, 
you know, maybe get your missus or something to put it in little little bits of foil like uh, Mr. Keeley had back in the day on his uh, <laughs> he had some he had some tin foil in it. Uh yeah, so it's, it's I mean I, I don't know much about the home the home market. Um I know that if you leave it on too long it, it falls out. If you uh if if you don't if you leave it on long enough it'll go quite a brassy colour. So uh, it's not a task I'd like to offer. I wouldn't do it myself. Um, I'm happy to do it on somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't point you in the right direction of a, of which one to use. But um, if it's just the ends or just the tips, then you can get away with just putting a bit on and putting in some foil. Um, but no, I wouldn't really recommend uh, slapping it all over. <laughs> oh, this uh, was like. I mean, you've got to remember- it was like you know deep dark mental breakdown territory when I was like, fuck it, I can't. I can't cope with this anymore i need to do something uh mental so i'm just gonna i was just gonna bleach it at the weekend kerry you getting an yeah. earful yeah I... I yeah i'm always getting told off because i'm getting told off who's that your missus hey yeah get your dog on get her on get your dog on let's be sweet podcast what she's shouting you from the bedroom while you're doing a live podcast it's not live She's not live. You for the it's, it's, it's edited not through. Come on, mate. Is she, is she shouting at <laughs> you? Is she shouting at you? Well, I, I want to I shave my head. That would just completely bick it because I'm never going to get the chance. You know, I can look like a complete yeah. knob now. And I can, I, the thing is, I'm, I'm going to grow this huge handlebar moustache and walk down the house like some sort of hillbilly don. But I, I know I can't Perfect rock off the like that. <laughs> it is. It is. It's the perfect time to do anything like that, you know? I mean, if you want to cut your own hair short or bleach it or, you know, or grow a beard if people like if people don't do beards, it's the perfect time to try these things, you know, when, when, exactly. when we're home, we're, you know, just our own family. And, you know, I mean, I, I sat this little thing on my business page today, inviting all of my customers to show me their home haircuts. Um, yeah. So, like, send, send in your comments. In your comments, you got to send in the picture of your, your home haircut. And uh, that's some funny ones put, come, through, come across on the page. Uh, yeah. yeah bit of fun just engaging engaging with the customers a little bit and you know just trying to make a little bit of fun out of it because you've got a serious world out there it it gets too dark you know the the issue is is we're all stuck in our front rooms uh, all back gardens with the kids and when we're not out there trying to entertain the kids or whatever else we've got to do we're watching the news (laughs) and and the news is a bit of despair at the moment there's nothing positive you know and um we sort of we are a captive audience to to the absolute hell that's going on it on out there. Um, so a little bit of light where oh yeah I'll shave shave my head or grow a handlebar mustache and look like a complete twat <laughs> for the next <laughs> for the next twenty eight days or whatever how long I've got to stay in here. Yeah 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 that's fun. You know if you're doing a customer customer facing job you'll never get the chance to shave your head or bleach your hair or you know it's a great opportunity. Yeah, Mate, you, I work you, at you an arts university. You never, yeah. you never will. Yeah, I work at an arts university, so a lot of the students there, you know, their their hair's just it's off the wall anyway. You know, <laughs> so I'm out, maybe I'll join them. I'll go back. Thespians. I'll keep the look. Thespians, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's all students. They 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 try something new, don't they? And they just go with it. You know, I'm I'm at home. Oh, yeah. you know. I did when I was a student, mate. What did you do, Ed? That was in the 1500s. <laughs> I had to, like, to wear, I had to have nice hair. Did you? Well, that's, that's because you didn't do a no, BA, mate. Like that's fucking Bob Hoskins. <laughs> <laughs> the 
they keep they call me Bob Askins. Huh? Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. I look nothing like him, do I? <laughs> Adam, do you cut? Uh, did you cut your hair? Like, oh yeah, you shaved it, didn't you? You shaved your hair and your beard. Yeah, I went to the I went to the barber and did it. He did a shave. Oh, this right. is over. This is this is a, like a segue to Jordan's question as well. Oh, go oh, go on, Jordan. Okay, my question now. Yeah, about the um. Oh yes, yes. So uh, the of boom. course, yeah. So um. You know, like barbershops, hairdressing, all that sort of stuff. There's been quite a big boom recently. I'm just wondering, I mean, you seem like you're quite ahead of the curve. Uh, could you maybe pinpoint where that sort of happened and sort of maybe why? Oh, mate. I mean, when I, was, when I first went into it back in 1997, uh, uh, there wasn't a barbering course. If you want to be a barber, you have to be a hairdresser and then do the barbering on the end. There's like an extra unit on your course. So, I mean, you couldn't get on a barber course. There was no such thing. But now it, it, it's everywhere. So, I mean, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where it is. Instagram, Facebook, that's where it's come from. Yeah, yeah. because everyone, everyone's, everyone's a superstar. Now they can show, even show your haircut off. You know, before, you have your haircut, you go into school or to work. Only the people that you sort of knock around with would ever see it. Now you get, you're put, posting pictures of your, of your hair. Um, celebrities are so more focused on image. I mean, it's always been magazines. If you want a if you want a hairstyle in the in the sort of early two thousands, you go into a barber and you get his old catalogue out and you'd have a sort of a homemade yeah. catalogue and he'd show you pictures or some number three. The album that they, I yeah, remember those. On the wall you point to the one up there on the wall. Um, but now you've got you know, you, you people used to bring a magazine into you to have a haircut. Now they got uh, the phone, you know, they, they just show you what they want. It's, it's I think it's so much more accessible now, styles. Um, what people can have, I think it's social. It's social media has revolutionised hairdressing um, because I mean, people. I mean, guys are so much more into their their appearance now. You know, I mean, male grooming is is is, is so fast. It's fast growing. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's moisture. I mean, moisturisers and you know, I mean, hair straighteners and stuff like that. Guys were using straighteners and you know, um, fake I'm not there and, yet. <laughs> no, uh, but. But the, the sort of the millennial guy is so different to when I, mean, I was born in 81, you know, so I don't consider myself old, but I, I definitely feel a different generation to these guys, you know, that when they, they're coming in and they're sort of very early 20s and, you know, you know 18, 19, whatever. And uh, they are different. They do, they, you know, they, they wear makeup and they're not embarrassed about it. They're all, you know, it's just it's very, so natural to them, you know. So I would say, I would say, uh, Facebook particularly, Instagram came a bit later, um, and also, 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 if you're a, if you're a hairdresser or barber, you can really launch yourself so much better. If you can, if you're pretty good and you can, you're good with a, you know a camera, you can build a, a, a reputation really well by using your social media really well. You know, you can get uh, you know hundred thousand followers just from being a barber now. I mean, that's you know that's just incredible, isn't it? Well, it's you see the people you, with like the fires and the swords and all this sort of crazy yeah. stuff as well like you know probably zero practicality to it but it makes an interesting yeah. story or an interesting yeah. picture or video yeah yeah so no i would say that that's where it's come from that's where it's changed game changer i mean in a town like the size we're in a town that we've got about twenty-five thousand people in our town there used to be two barbershops now there's seven you know and this is quite a small town where where adam's from western supermare i mean there was there was probably sort of 
don't know, five maybe in the Western when you're a kid. Mm. Now there's, there's probably 30, you know, in, in a somewhere like Western Superman, may, maybe more. I've never counted, but it's ridiculous. I mean, and also, also fashions are very short nowadays. Everyone's having skin fades and, you know, they, they want it done every week. You know, they want, you know, they, they don't have sort of longer hair as a rule, you know, but, but interestingly, this lockdown might change a bit of that. I do think that having locked away and having maybe longer hair or, or, or getting somebody else, you're not having it freshly cut every week. We've got guys coming in twice a week, twice a week for a haircut. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, there's some, there's some, yeah, some big money being spent. You know, it's not expensive to get it done, but if you get it done twice a week, it adds up, adds up over a month, doesn't it? You know, it's so... Yeah, it's crazy. I'm, Mind you, if it's not never a club, you know? Yeah, mental, isn't it? I'm not a um, a fashion victim, but as you can tell, I'm very stylish with my hair. What is the sort of like 1950s Hitler Youth style? You know what oh, I mean? The, yeah, yeah. All gel back. Yeah, yeah. With with a fresh shave, because that suddenly just beard. appeared. All big beard. All big beard. Yeah, yeah. big beard, all trimmed, yeah. all completely it's, trimmed it's, off. It's beard. Yeah. Yeah, that um, that just appeared. I think. I think. Uh, you know. I think. Gary Barlow actually had, a, had a, something to be asked for because he turned, he appeared out of nowhere after he'd been off the he'd been off the media for for years. Then he appeared on one of the TV shows, maybe Jonathan Ross or something, and he had this um, high high tight haircut of a parson. And amazing how many people came into the barbershop in the next week, and next month, and the next six months asking for a Barlow. You know, I mean, I I never <laughs> saw Gary Barlow to be a fashion icon. You know, he was kind of somebody he took the piss out of when when we were sort of younger, but. You know, he had this pretty fresh haircut, and obviously David Beckham's a massive hair icon. Um, so they, they kind of uh, they they have these these fashions, and then people just adopt them, and now everyone's having it. So it's all yeah, no, it's 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 yeah, it's a curve. It will change again, I'm sure. But I do believe that this lockdown uh, will will unfortunately put a few out of business. Um, I think especially if you haven't got much contingency in your savings or whatever, or you you know if you've got a high rent or you know, maybe you don't understand. You don't, you don't apply for the grants, or whatever. I do believe some people, sadly, will go out of business during the lockdown, um, especially if they've got a high wage bill. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's another factor. That they can't. I don't. I, I don't think they'll all be there when we come back. Sadly. Yeah. Well, I've seen a load of barbers. I, I can't. My excuse my lack of like hair gel. Pom pomade or pom? What's that called? Pom. Pom pomade. Like, pomade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah loads of places doing that and it's like um there's a famous place in amsterdam i don't know what it's called i'm not a, not a barber i've been there and they yeah. all yeah i can't, can't remember what it's called but they all sort of model themselves on that that sort of um, um Ruzel, Ruzel. yeah we went over to we know went over there to um on a training course back uh, like two years ago over in rotterdam yeah that's um, it yeah uh, score, score them. They call them. It's, it's, it's Dutch, for yeah. scum, Dutch for scum, Dutch for scumbag. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. We went over to spend some time with them. Yeah, it's good, good fun. There's so many barbers that are just that. That's the same. You go in any barber, it's like the same sort of thing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. There's, there's um, I worked out on Old Christchurch Road. For every barber's, there's a vape shop now as well. Is it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the vaping will be gone after this. Yeah. Yeah. Double the vapors. 
Yeah, game over, mate. They're, they've got no chance, have they? Yeah. Poor buggers. If that's your business. Yeah. Sweet. George, you've got sec- second part of the question. I think it was about Adam's training in the past. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so you've come from a martial arts bank background, I understand. Um, yeah. Could you give us maybe a bit of a, a rundown of sort of what you've you've done over your time training martial arts? Okay, so started at uh, 14. Uh, my best friend at the time, his dad ran a club. Uh, I just attended his club. You know, it was just what you do. Uh, I think most people try your sort of karate when they're, you know, was I 14? Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I done done pretty well. Got up to um, up to like uh, fourth Q, which is like a purple belt. So uh, went quite a bit as a as a school kid. Um, then uh, I was 19. I I, I found uh, Wing Chun. Wing Chun came. To, this guy opened a club in Cleveland, where I live. Uh, very very small club. I, I was there on the second week it opened. Uh, turned up. I I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, I couldn't believe that the guy had he looked like he had four hands you know i mean i was very sort of kicking and punching and you know uh, very long range long range weapons i mean the guy just i couldn't i couldn't keep up with his hands i couldn't believe that somebody could move like that and this guy was in his 50s then you know this is back back in when i was i was 19 so 38 it's almost that's 20 years ago i, I couldn't believe the way he moved and then from that minute on i literally ditch karate I, I just, it was non-comparable. I mean, you know, he was getting me to, uh, he was showing me, um, you know, give me a, a you know, a Sotowuki or a Gidamurai or, you know, do a block against my attack. And it was just like, like Bruce Lee says, a bit like butter, you know, like water. It, it was just, it was, it, it was, it was, it was addictive. The minute I, minute I, I, I touched hands with him, it, it was just, just, you know, really liberating. And he was just, so I ditched it instantly. I just, I, you know, I was, all the training camps I was going on with the, with the karate, you know, I was sort of on the sort of verge of breaking a national squad. Um, I just ditched it because I, I just knew it wasn't where my calling was, was, was the Wing Chun. I mean, being a slight build, I mean, I've been, I was 10 stone until I was probably 35. You know, being a slight build guy, you know, it's quite good. I mean, it's, it's obviously weight categories and all the rest of it, but the Wing Chun just appealed so much to me because of its sort of economical movements and, uh, you know, the fact you don't need to use strength and power and, you know, big movements. So, yeah, that's, so yeah, I, I started uh, Wing Chun at 19. Um, I got my first, uh, first technician, they call it, like a first Dan. I got that in 2006 in Germany, went over to Germany to get um, this castle in Germany to be did a, an exam over there. So that's my first, yeah, my first down. I only got the first down. It didn't, it didn't need to go any further than that. I thought that I was, that's always what to achieve it. Um, so yeah, it's been great times. Um, met some wonderful people. We say we traveled, traveled quite a bit with it. Uh, when, um, when uh, I did a bit of, um, bit of mixed martial arts along the way, uh, did, did a couple of competitions, um, yeah, so that you know, I opened a club in 2005, uh, my own club. Um, like I said I was just before I got my my first my first technician grade. Um, I ran that for years. You know, I was really really enjoying a great time. Uh, just love training. Just love. I just I was have a reasonably good talent with with bringing people on. That you know, making people feel that they can do something. Because I mean, 
the old school turn up to karate and get shouted at them on your on your on your Monday night. It wasn't much fun. So I always made it a bit like Ad does with his club, make it a bit of fun, make it make it recreation, make it make it um, a, a night out for people. You know, entertain them as well. I always like to give loads of demos. I'd love to give as many demos as possible because people, you know, go to a guitar lesson. You want to see the guy play your guitar. You know, you don't want to just be told off. You want to see what he can do. Um, so I was very much, very much um, a believer of show, show, show as much as you can. Um, touch hands with every student in the room. And um, yeah, it was great. It was great. Loved, loved it. So that's kind of the summary of what, of what the career was. Yeah. And then have you tried out uh, BJJ at all or did you kind of do that within the, the mixed martial arts? The, the, uh, BJJ was always around. It was always around. I, I cross-trained quite a bit. Um, like I said, I did a few amateur competitions. Funny, I've got a funny, very quick funny story. My first um, MMA competition was uh, by accident. Um, my friend was competing in it. You'll like this. My friend was competing in this competition and um, well, I went to support him. Uh, I was the driver, so I got over to the um, to the venue in Wales, and uh, on the door it was um, it was something like six pounds to uh, go in. It was five pounds to enter the competition. I <laughs> <So he> said, <laughs> "Okay, I'll enter the competition on the day." Um, I had some training gear in the car, so I went went to the car. I got I had all the right gear. I had shin pads and I had uh, gum shield and all that, all the stuff you need. And uh, so I said, "Yeah, I'll save myself a quid. I'll enter instead of paying to go in." I'm sorry, she's got yeah, anyway. Got kids, can't sleep. We'll be quiet. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just I had no pre-fight nerves at all. You know, I just I turned up. I was um, I was about sixty-four kilos. And I fought in the under under seventies kilos, so you know clearly people are walking around at sort of seventy three, seventy four kilos, and they strip down to get under the seventy kilo mark, and uh, I just rock up at sixty four kilos, um, not a care in the world. <laughs> just, I did terribly, absolutely terribly. You know, I, I you know you say you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail, and um, I didn't do very well at all. I did well in the first round. I got caught uh, armbar. Um, Second guy, the second guy dumped me, completely picked me up. He was probably like say 74, 75 kilos naturally. He just picked me up and slammed me, boom, you know. So that was that was a wake up call. Um, but it was it's quite funny because the club I was representing um, by default, because the guy that I went with, his club I was representing through him. To to wear the black t-shirt, you had to fight twice in the, in the competition. And I was eligible for a T-shirt on the first day because I had, I had two fights. <laughs> and um, some of the other guys had been training for months and they couldn't get a black T-shirt, but uh, I never wore it. But uh, it was still a funny little, uh, still part of your journey, you know, you know, when you uh, just turn up and have a go and, you know, didn't do too bad, you know, didn't win, but it's all good. So, yeah, DJJ was all... Was, oh, oh, yeah, it's you wouldn't want to watch the video. It's pretty terrible. I just, I'm really... <laughs> quite embarrassed about it really but you know so yeah the um the uh bj was always always in the, on the horizon it was always it was always around there because i cross-trained got to know mixed martial arts i was always really aware that my ground game was my weakest game yeah i mean wing chun is a stand-up game um so it was, it was i always knew that i should be training more groundwork um but it's, it's really hard when you, you know you've only got so many nights in the week that you're training 
you know, you can't be you can't be doing ground fighting on Monday and boxing on a Tuesday, and you know, especially when you run the club as well. So I just I always knew that I needed to do more ground game, but just didn't really have the time. But I knew that it was something I was missing, and I really needed to get better at it. So um, so yeah, I did. More, I, I was really aware that I needed to do more ground game. So when um, went to sort of jump to the end of my sort of teaching career in martial arts when um, we had um, us taken on so much um, with home and work and you know I had three kids you know, business to run a training school to run and I was running this martial arts club for fun not for money just just do it because I loved it it was just it was too much I was turning up to training not really in the right place I was tired I was, you know, I was you know you got to, I'm all or nothing you've got to be you've got to be there and I was finding I wasn't uh, giving I wasn't giving my students what I thought they should be having. Um, and this um, uh, third damn Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, Marcelo Copper, he um, he turned up in Cleveland uh, really randomly. He came into my barbershop asking me if he could put a poster up. So um, I sort of obviously got chatting to him about it and um, looked him up and realised he was the real deal. And um, so he started, um, started the club locally. So I started training with him. And it was perfect timing, really, because I was kind of felt like I not that I was at the end. I didn't. It wasn't like I had enough of the, um, the teaching or the Wing Chun. It was just I was a bit exhausted in life, and you know, I was putting my energies into everything. Um, I just wanted to be a student again. I wanted to go to someone's class and be told what to do. Like cause when you run in a place, especially when you haven't got a teacher of your own, you're not really developing. You're sustaining, and you're teaching others, which is great but you're not really progressing yourself. So it was lovely to just turn up to a class, put a white belt on, you know, forget what you knew as well. You know, forget the fact that you had a black belt in another style. It didn't matter. It didn't matter because, you know, you're all the same. Like, you know, it was all white belts there. Um, some people have been training for like the best part of 18 months to let a white belt, as you know. Um, and it was, it was great just to turn up and, and just be a beginner again, you know, to be taught. And I really missed that. Um, so yeah, it was a good move. I... Sorry. Uh, did you feel like, I mean, like personally, I came from like a Taekwondo background. I did quite a lot of striking arts and things like that. But did you ever have that sort of, oh shit moment when you sort of put on the white belt, got in there, started grappling and like, wow, there's so little I actually know about this. No, because I'd already done, I'd already cross trained. So I knew my weaknesses. Um, I can. I, a lot of people agree with what you said. A lot of people did have that because they thought they had a game, and then someone takes them down, and then they're like, "Shit!" Like they can't swim. They're in a river and they can't swim. You know. I, so I, I totally get that. But I didn't feel that because I've always been quite a realist with the training. See, a lot of, with martial arts, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in there, especially with some of the um, Chinese arts. Mm. You know, it's all hush and whispers. Um, you know, a lot of people that train it, they live in a bit of a fantasy world. They they they, they want to um they want to pretend that you, know, you you touch my hands and you suddenly magic happens and you fall to my knees. Um, but in reality, it doesn't really work. And I've always been really uh, I've always wanted a practical application. You know, I always wanted I always wanted to get the best results I could. Um, I never believed um, the magic. You know, the, the dim max, the death type. I, I never really went through. I never went through that. I, I, you know, I, my, my first instructor, he said to me, um, you can't dispute a fist in your face. 
And I'll never forget them words, you know, because if you're getting punched in the face, it doesn't matter what body softness and, uh, you know, sort of internal structure you've got, getting punched, if you're getting punched in the face, it's going to hurt. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I always knew, like I say, I wasn't new to grappling. I'd grappled badly. And I just found that when I was grappling, I was just surviving. I wasn't winning. I wasn't even in positions to, to win. I was just surviving. And I got better at surviving. Which was which was really good uh, practice for when I started the BJA classes. I I was pretty I was pretty happy with my survival. Uh, I could cover my my neck. I could I could slip out of things. I, I was never really putting anyone in any holes. Um, I didn't really tap anyone for about a month. Um, so yeah, I'd never tapped anyone. You know, it was just it was just survival. And like I say, I got I, I reasonably strong for my for my size. So I, I was trying to give them a bit of a challenge, and they, they definitely experienced something different because I moved differently to everyone else uh, from the background. Um, you know, it was very hard to pin, especially on the my strongest game was my stand up to ground it was was really hard to take you down because of your body softness. I find that because Wing Chun is very very soft martial art. You know, you you are yielded, you borrow energy, etc., without going down the sort of magic road. Um, so what? Trying to take someone down that is very soft is very hard. You know, we all like points, anchors, don't we? You know, if you find a hard point, that's your, that's your, that's your point. You know, you push pull principles like you guys do. Um, so when you don't give anyone any any solid resistance, it's quite hard to take them down. You know, you know they just kind of fall into nothing. But once I hit the deck, then I was a beginner. You know, the minute I went to the ground, my body softness went. Um, I couldn't transfer that softness when I was let down, whichever I was on my knees or whether I was on my spine. Um, I was soft in the air, soft in, you know, had decent striking, obviously with bridges and jiu-jitsu, you take the striking away. Um, and I always used to like starting on my feet because a lot of BJJ, you start on your knees. And I always start, I used to like starting on my feet because it had more application to me. You know, it just, it felt more like a fight. So I was going to just stop myself getting taken down. And when I do get taken down, then I got to survive again. So yeah, I was really mindful that you know, because I mean, I've always been in the uh, combat arts, not the sport side of it. Martial arts is, in my mind, too. You've got sport martial arts, and you've got the artistic side, the, the, the fighting side of it, the combat, the element of, of of you know, striking. Or I mean, taekwondo or tansudo is a is a sport sport martial art, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a sport. So uh, I've always been more of the combat side. Um, and you know what works in combat. What 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 stops you getting taken down to tarmac? That was what, that was one of my biggest um, concerns. Like I say, when you're on the ground, then I I'd never I never surrendered. But uh, you know, I always felt like once they got me to ground, they could they could kind of they could win. Um, but yeah, it's quite hard to take down. Uh, but yeah, does that kind of answer your question there? Oh, most definitely. But I have another question now. Um, so if you click the chat, chat, if you're on the laptop, if you click the chat button quickly, you'll see to the right a couple of images, as I said. I want you to rate my mullet out of 10, please. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where's the chat? Where's the chat? I can't see that. On the bottom right, it looks like a text box. Have you sent them, Job? They've not come through. Oh, one second. <laughs> It should be coming now. Oh, yeah, there they are. <laughs> oh, did you see it? 
I don't know on your phone, but George, we're going to have to post these up when we post this episode up. Your 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 um your mullet's going up as well, mate. Oh yeah, I'm happy with that. It was a glorious Lamborghini of mullets. So <laughs> I can't see him. <laughs> you see him, Adam? No. Jordan, just put them on your screen and share your screen because then everyone will see it. Okay, one second. That's why. Right, and me... uh, boys, Adam's Adam's jiu-jitsu instructor Marcelo is the guy that did the uh, referee course. Oh man! In UK. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, mm-hmm. can you see my screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we can't yeah. Now. Oh, one second. Why is that not working? Put it back, mate. You like seeing the mullet. <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen. Why is this not not screwing? What about your nods? I mean, I'm still a white belt, mate. I'm still a white belt. Yeah, I've got a straight mate. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm pretty chilled with it actually. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not belt hungry anymore. You know, I just. Yeah. I. I just. I don't know. I think I. I, I mean, I'd love to achieve more belts, of course, but for me, it's not that important anymore. You know, I kind of mm. I achieved the sort of first down in in you know in Wing Chun. I was, I've kind of achieved a life goal there. Now mm. I just want to be credible at that that level. You know, yeah. I just. You know, I always feel that. You should. I don't know. I just. I just. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not. I'm not hungry for grades. I just want to be yeah. better. I want to be. I want to. I want to start subbing people. I want to be, be able to, you know, hold my own with bigger people. Um, you know, because I oh, the mullet. Got the mullet back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Rocking. Old school, isn't it? I was going for. for um... Oh, sorry, go on, go on, go on. Oh yeah, I was going for the Lamborghini of mullets. <laughs> hell of a hell of a tramline, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife got a uh, hairband and then started shaving lines in. It was the uh, best she could do with a uh, limited to no training. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, we can How long did you walk here for, George? Literally two days. Stopping that photo there. Go back, go back a photo. Look at that bloke walking behind. That's the campiest walk I've ever seen. Kelly! <laughs> got the bottle going backwards. Yeah, amazing. Super. He's wearing my shoes as well. That was amazing. That was a, a, a great day in the history of Sasquatch Studios, that as well. Who was, wasn't it? Smashed it. Naga. Bit of Naga, wasn't it? Yep. How many Ads, when times are you going to come down and visit? When are you come visit us down here? Oh, mate, I'd love to, yeah. When um, I'm not, I'm not down that way very often. It's like, it's, I have to take a couple of days off when it's all when it's all finished. I have to take a couple of days off and come down and uh, spend some time with you guys. Come to the love gym, mate. Where yeah, the it looks great, true. mate. I think it's great. I think it's great what you're doing there. You know, keep it. I've been watching it all along from the on the on the Facebook and. Uh, yeah, it's great to see it. I, I, I always wanted, uh, I always imagined I'd have a, a full-time academy, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I could never see it paying, you know, when you, you've got your own business and it's, you've worked hard to get that. I couldn't imagine ever sort of switching over and having a having a school, you know, because it's got tons of money in it, is there, Adi? You know? I mean, yeah. No, it's nothing. You know, it's, yeah. 
it's not about it's not about I mean you wouldn't do it for the money if I was if I was rich and uh, yeah, I think I'd love, love to set a school up and, and rent the rent the space to other martial artists to have a all encompassing um, martial arts school where yeah, you know amazing. one day you do one night you know you know different different arts each night of the week yeah. Chinese arts jujitsu you know I'd love to have all of them um, you know not be the teacher of all of them of course you know just just to be the I'd love to be the administrator of it all, where you know you could you could have the good like-minded people into your school, mm. and um, but you know I mean that's we got we got mortgages and kids to deal with, so that's kind yeah. of a bit of a dream really. But you know if I won some money, that's why I would yeah. that's why I'd be putting my time and time and love into it. But I could never imagine uh, teaching full time. It's just you know I just don't. It wouldn't give me the lifestyle that I I want to live really. Yeah, you know? lucky for me because I I started doing it well teaching full-time but still working full-time for a bit but lucky other people teach now as well because um i was doing too much i don't know i don't know how people can teach every day and stay mm. training themselves really it's just too much too much yeah unless unless they're bums yeah say again mate how many instructors you got for you working for you uh uh about six now, yeah. Couple, couple of blue belts, dirty blue belts. Um, six down in judo, a brown belt and a purple belt. Nice. Yeah, and me, dirty, still, dirty black. And you're working, right? You still working, yeah? Yeah, working full time, yeah, in a day, yeah. So um, still, still being an engineer. So um, happy days, mate. I can go in with my fingers all like wrecked up and face smashed. No one, no one minds. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. All right, who's the next question? You got another question, Conk, or is that your only? Jordan asked my question, so I'll, I'll just follow on. Uh, how many how many times are you training, BJJ Adam, in a, in the average week? Um, well, I'm down to like one a week now. Um, yeah. Basically, what I, what I find myself, I find a really uh, find a really hard chapter in my life. Um, Obviously, running the, the barbershop full time and the training school as well. Um, but a couple of years back, my uh, my little boy was uh, diagnosed with autism, um, and it really um, changed everything. Like for example, uh, my evenings now spent looking after my little lad. Um, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's very able and very uh, you know very. But I basically said to myself that the next few years I'm going to be putting myself in with the children um i'm going to be lo- looking after looking after the kids in the evening whereas normally i'd come home and i'd rush off you know come in from work have a quick tea straight to training whether it be teaching or, or practicing so i really i've come to a point in my life now where the next few years are just really important i focus on the children um they need me at the moment more than i've had so many so many training sessions you know i've trained for like 20 years like three times a week I've been really lucky. My wife supported me through all the travel, uh, all the all the running classes. You know, we had we had small babies. We had like you know three kids. Two of them were under two, and I was still coming home from work and going teaching. And she supported me in that. You know, it was amazing. Um, but now I've kind of made a decision on my own that I'm not going to go training three times a week. I'm not going to go tra- if I go training once a week. I'm happy, and I've come to a really sort of good place where I'm quite chilled about it. Whereas when you're a martial artist, you always want to get better. You always want to train harder. You know, get your next strike, get your next belt, and you know you make sacrifices, don't you? Everybody, we all make sacrifices to achieve anything. Um, yeah. 
And I kind of got to the point now, like, you know, 38, young kid, my youngest is seven, the next one's nine, she's the autism, and we've got a daughter, she's 14. And I just think now is not the time for me. Now is the time for them. Um, when they were babies, it was easy because they'd go straight to bed at seven. You know, they'd be in bed. The whole evening was mine. You know, I'd go out training. And now it's, I just find that my, my middle one, the, the nine-year-old, he's sometimes going to bed at like 10. And if he's had a bad day at school, he's, uh, he's you know, he can't relax. He can't switch off. He's, he's obsessing over things that have happened in the daytime. And I can't, I can't leave the house. It's, it's because I want to be a good dad. I want to be, uh, you know, I want, to, I want to look after him, make sure he's settled. So it's, it's been like really tough, tough year for me training-wise. So I'm quite all right with that because of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, is the you know the kids need you, and you know when you're in your twenties, you can do whatever you want. Even in your mid thirties, you can still kind of get away with it. And it got to the point, like I say, when he was about seven, that he was really, I was leaving him distressed. Like I was going training, and uh, he was he was kind of still crying. And my wife had to deal with the younger one and the older one, and that's where I kind of decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to a class. Just turn up at a class. If I don't turn up, so what? It doesn't matter. But if I turn up, I'm there because I because I can be. Um, whereas when you run in a club, when you run in a school, you've got the key. You've got to be there. You've got to be there because you know you, 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 your students become your friends, don't they? They become, they become your, your mates. So you, if you say you're going to be there at about seven, you're going to be there. You've got to be there. It's the way it is. And if things were unsettled at home. I was still going. I was saying, to, I was saying to them, you know, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to, I've got to run the club. I've got to be. I've got to be there in a minute. The school's going to open, and I can't be late. The teacher can't be later than students. And that's what was happening. I was turning up late. I was turning up, and the uh, you know the students were waiting for me outside. It was like thirty-two minutes past seven, and that doesn't sit right with me. You know, it's not the way I was. You know, I wanted to be there seven, ten, ten past seven, setting up all the mats, setting up all the gear. I want to be there, ready for the students. And my life was just changing, and I, I was just finding that I was turning up, like, just turning up late. I was too, not late, but just too late in my eyes. So I was just, I was leaving the house, and the house wasn't settled. So I then decided, you know, it's time, it's time to make a change. So at the moment, I train on my own a lot. I train my son. He trained. Uh, we got some mats. We get out, and we have a little grapple in the garden. And I train with a friend of mine. He's uh, stick fighting champion we train some stick fighting together and I train with Marcelo if I can get, get a session in I get a session with him uh, I do some private lessons with Marcelo as well they're, they're good they get you know I do find I need Matt more than I mean he's got some amazing experience he's got some you know some years years of years of experience he's been a black belt for more probably nearly 20 years you know but I do find I just need Matt time with people on my own level as well sometimes you can have all the best tuition from like you know a great teacher but you still need to be able to roll with people because you know you to my i need that time which i'm not getting but i'm cool with that um you know i'll come back to it i'll keep i'll just ticking over at the moment um you know cause two or three years time I could be in a new chapter and uh life wouldn't be like I'm, I'm not i wouldn't be needed too much so that's kind of where i am at the moment training wise oh, fair play mate. that's putting um yeah man putting everything in perspective and you know yeah. balance family's very important you know um like you said you make sacrifices to train and you know you, you set your priorities which is great great stuff yeah. a lot of time with yeah. jiu-jitsu we, 
it's well a lot of us tend to just train non-stop that's the, the general feel in the community is is you just you know you're just constantly training 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 you never actually you know, we give we give everyone loads of grief for not training don't we but yeah <laughs> It's only because I'm there every night. Perspective. Yeah, that's true. You are our chief well, abuser. Also, if the you know because the the clubs now got access to social media, they'll they'll put up posts of the of the session, and quite often I can only do two days a week, two evenings a week because I've got kids. So I'll I'll be at home and I'll be sitting here on the couch watching the live cast with my bottom yeah, lip yeah. quivering, you know. <laughs> So, you know, I watch a lot of them videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I try not to no. swear on them, but sometimes I do. I think they're great. I think they, I think they come across really well. I mean, I've never been to your school, but, uh, you know, I think it comes across really well. There's a great atmosphere. Everyone's having a good time. There was that time that I had to show one of our students from Cleveland that Connor was there. Connor was in your club. And he goes, over, he goes around with the camera and says, hello, say hello Connor. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yes, said it to you. No, you I um, I saw Marcelo at a competition, and he, he came up to me. He's like, "Ah, my student trained with you." I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it is a ridiculous small world. Everyone knows everyone. It's, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good, it's good community. I mean, I I love it. I mean, it's, it's you know, I like what I like about the BJJ more than the others. It's quite honest. I mean, you can't like I said about smoking mirrors and. There's a lot of bullshit in, in the sort of arts that I've trained in. With the, uh, with the with the PGJ, it's a bit like, let's get on the mat, let's have a chat. You know, you can always find your level really quickly. And, you know, you, the minute you roll with someone, you know, you, they know your level, you know their level. And that's cool. There's always a place to, you can always, have, you can always get something out of it. It's a bit like a handicap in golf. You know, you can always, you can always train with someone about what their level is. Um, but I was finding with the sort of the Wing Chun side, it was a bit like, oh, you can't train with him because he's not your level or he's not your. It's all bollocks, isn't it? It's just with people, aren't we? People just train together. So, you know, like, just just bring it down to earth. It just really, really sort of like levels it, you know? It's interesting what you say about the Wing Chun guys, because I've trained with a lot of guys doing BJJ that done Wing Chun, and they are really hard to take down. Really hard. It's like a. It must be like you said that softness of the body that it's sort of something that's not really you don't really do that in BJJ, but it it works. It works for Wing Chun guys. So I just pull guy. You find you find <laughs> them soft on the you find them soft on the ground though. Yeah, one guy. Well, as, as a guy that trains with us now, he's quite strong, but he's hard to take down. You're using that soft soft body stuff standing up, and he's really strong, stiff on the ground, almost the opposite. But another guy was um. Hard to take down. Once you take him down, there's zero, nothing there. Really easy. It was a white of course, because I'm fat. Yeah, but he was a, you're so dead, mate. When we go back training, look <laughs> at blue belts. A little bit of cheek from blue belts. <laughs> you're gonna try and avert me, mate. And I'm just gonna I'm snap your spine in half. I'm only saying what I'd say if I was with you. But then I'm gonna snap your spine in half, mate. You're gonna try and do some inverted rubbish on me. I'm just gonna snap your your spine. And you're going to use a hook we can't use the name of. I'm just going to kill it. <laughs> you can use the Keely hook. We can't use any other kind of hook. Oh. It's illegal. <laughs> Too soon for that joke. I'm not going to say it anymore. 
Sea Dog, I think I think Ads has answered one of your. He has, mate. Yeah, yeah. The conversation covered it. Yeah, you're done, mate. You've, I'm done. Yeah. You're all that. Cheers. Any other questions, Sea Dog? Have I, have, have I passed? No, no, I was going to ask you about competing, but I, I, I think, you know, the place you are in life now, probably you don't want to throw yourself into the deep end of, you know, getting into yeah, a competition. Um, yeah, like I say, I've competed at um, different levels. Like you say, I've competed at karate, uh, mixed martial arts on, on a really sort of, you know, um, small level. Um, competition for me isn't that important. Um and obviously, you've got the risk of injury. I'm, I'm the only breadwinner. I mean, you, know, you work with your hands all day. You work with your arms, your shoulders, your collarbones. You know, I'm really mindful that if you want to try and hold a position, like an arm bar or something. When I got I got caught in an arm bar about a year ago. It hurts me every single morning. Every morning I wake up, I can't straighten my arm completely. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, a, it's a daily reminder that I should have tapped. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite... I'm, I, I'm quite, I'm quite, um, quite protective of, of the body, you know. With being the only breadwinner in the house, it's got, you know, I've got a responsibility. That's that's really what I've what I've discovered last couple of years. You know, I've got a responsibility that's bigger than my goals. Um, so that's that's kind of where I am. So yeah, competition was. Um, if I had a few quid in the bank, if I if I had six months worth of money sat there, I'd compete and take the risk yeah. and, and you know not worry about being out of work. But I just can't, you know, at the moment I just can't take the risk, you know. It's just so easy to get an injury. Do you know what know? this means? This this means you've grown up. <laughs> this is it, mate. <laughs> What's the um, totally normal retirement age of a barber and that? When the barbers just go on forever? Oh, mate, you know what they, I mean? they go on forever. They go on forever, yeah. When's yeah, your hands start on, shaking? Yeah. That kind of stuff. When's that all kicking? Uh, I don't know yet, mate. I suppose... As long as they shake in rhythm, you're fine, aren't they? You yeah. know, as long as they get a, a rhythmic, a rhythmic shake, then it's the jerks you don't want. It's the, uh, you know, yeah, yeah they go, they go on for years, mate. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Have you got any from barbering, any from, sort of like uh, yeah, my, re- repetitive strain stuff? Funny. I got a bad thumb, like on my knuckle, on my joint, it's a bit, a bit dodgy. But um, you know, mate, end of the day, whatever you do, you get some injury, don't you? Repetitive, yeah. you know. If you take the road, if you you know electrician, whatever, wherever you get, you're gonna get something. But no, I'm pretty good. I you know keep healthy and you know, you know like I say train as often as I can, run, run with the dog, go get you know get some fitness. So just keep yourself well in general, really. But now yeah. it's uh, you just you just gotta look after yourself, aren't you? Train safely. I mean in the BJA community, I mean, I've never met anyone that's really taken the piss. You know of your level, they've all been really. It, but in competition, that's different, isn't it? You know, in training, you can kind of tap and no big deal. But you know, when you're um, when you're in a competition, you've got to, got to win, haven't you? Mm. Or lose, like I did last time. <laughs> <laughs> and Marcelo was refing me last competition. Was he? He was, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. 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 See, small world, even smaller world. It just gets smaller every second. We're in a simulation. Not as small as your opponent's gi trousers. Yeah, they were small, weren't they? And then you had to change them, and they're even smaller the next set. <laughs> you went to put a pair of shorts on. Yeah, uh, little bugger. Any other questions, Sea Dog, or you you done? Nah, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah, Sweet. yeah. Everything's been covered. I'm happy. Ads, do you see? Do you still see any of the old boys from the old days? Oh, not really, mate. No, not really. Life's kind of like just. 
club for long, didn't it? You know, you got your yeah. family and your small group of friends and, you know, your training buddies. And, yeah, no, not really, mate, no. How about you? No, no, I'm like, really. Um... <laughs> but I moved away, didn't I? So that's, you know, that's to be expected. Yeah. Um, who's that guy that does, uh, used to do a competition in Cleveland called Grip, it was called. Did you know him? He was like a Grip? no no gee guy. Um because I haven't seen him for years. I, don't, I can't remember his name. Do you know him? Lo- local Cleveland fella? I think he's a fireman. Fireman? Uh, no, policeman. No, Alex Owen, you're on about. Right? Is that his name? Yeah, he's yeah. a policeman, yeah. Yeah, is he still still training and stuff? Is he still... Yeah, they've got, they got a gym in Weston. They've got... Um, he's into his um, mixed martial arts. Uh, yeah, they've School in Weston or gym in Weston. Obviously, they're on lockdown as well. Yeah. But now I follow them all on social media, and yeah, but, you know, it's a small community in it. Yeah. But they used to do a lot of um, used to do a lot of um, not catch wrestling maybe or um, uh, yeah, su- submission rest submission wrestling. Yeah, I don't really know the uh, too right terminology, but he yeah, did a lot of that. He was good. Yeah, got got some good results. Obviously, does yeah. cage fighting as well. I do. Cronk, time to bang out the Spice Girls question. Oh, yeah, right. I forgot to do this with Trevor. We seem to do this every every other episode. So, Are you touching your willy, mate, on the video? No. Looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> you can not You can only see my upper body, can you? No, I can see your hand. It's like... Oh, I was unpicking a wedgie. But... Why are talking about the Spice Girls? <laughs> I haven't even mentioned them yet. You did. It's fine, mate. Right, so... Blue bucks are going to die, mate. Marry or kill one of the Spice Girls. Who do you fuck? Who do you marry? And who do you kill? Who do you kill? Let's go for a kill first. I think you got to kill Scary. <laughs> Definitely kill Scary. She'd drive you insane, wouldn't she? Yeah. Um, got to be a bit of posh for marrying, I reckon, isn't it? You know, got to be posh, got to be posh, isn't it? <laughs> Spice. She likes posh, nice hair, doesn't posh she? Posh to marry. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. David Beckham could have pretty much any woman, he, any woman he, he could he could want, and he's stuck with her for years, and he so she got she can't be a bad wife. Got to be doing something, right? So you don't smell her fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'd kill Scary. Yeah, Mel B. Did expect that question anyway. Oh. Who would you have sexy time with? Oh, um, <laughs> um <laughs> probably, pro- probably Scary after I killed her. <laughs> no. How's that for an answer? Like it, mate. Uh, yeah. It. Got to be a bit. <laughs> got to be a bit, of, bit of Jerry, probably, isn't it? Bit, bit of Jerry. Yeah. Boobies. <laughs> Cheers, Ads. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you, Thanks, right, boys. Right, nice to meet you, Adam. Any, any shout outs you want to do, Ads, before you go off? 
tell, tell us about tell us your business and your Facebook so people can log on if they're ever nearby. Who me? Sorry, oh, sorry, yeah, I yeah. talking to the lads. Yeah, Just do a um, shout out, mate. Where, you... Adam's Barbershop uh, in Cleveland, uh, or Adam Piggott's Barbering Academy. If you want to learn the, learn the arts, and uh, yeah, that's us, Cleveland. Just off the M5, if you're passing the M5, coming down to Western Supermare, see Ad's family. Ad's family still in Western? No, uh, they moved up here, mate, and then um, strained themselves from me because they ate my guts. To answer, mate. To answer. You look too much like Bob Hoskins. <laughs> yeah, I don't look like Bob Hoskins. <laughs> you look like him from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Ad, Ad knows me when I used to have like a little bowl cut. I was really skinny. I was like, really skinny, little puss. Then I became a real man. <laughs> a bigger man. Just a little puss. You were 12 then, you came, became a man. He was a man before all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Started getting hairy. But I could never get girls, could I? Never. No, you didn't have much luck there, did you? No, at times, mate. You married the first one. Yeah. What was um? What was that girl called in our tutorial? I can't remember. I can't remember her name. Oh, I don't want to use crude language, but <laughs> oh, what's her name? You know what I mean. I know the one you mean. Yeah. What was her name? I've forgotten. It's coming to my brain now. Not Alex. Yeah, Alex. Is that her name? The Gavin. <laughs> no, it's Alex. Yeah, it's Alex, isn't it? Yeah, I think I'll be. I got to be respectful of who might be listening to this conversation. Yeah. yeah so, Alex. Yeah, I better not. Better not say the name. Don't want to dish the dirt, do we? No. That's just gone back to my brain. There you go, mate. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Good night. Good night. Thanks very much. Good night, Jordan. Cheers, Good night, Quonk. Cheers, that's and on Friday night we've got a student telling us how his whole world is now destroyed because he can't <laughs> have lectures and his dissertation that he's not written isn't going to be marked properly and he's probably going to fail his whole life. And his hair's fallen out. And his hair's fallen out. <laughs> and he's only 21. Yeah, he's bald. Oh, shit. All right. Cheers. Poor Ciao. Ciao.